to uh, Romans chapter 11. It's quite warm this morning, isn't it? Romans chapter 11. And we want to read verse 33 and just verse 33 and 34. Paul said, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. One of the most valuable and amazing things that as a believer I find is the overarching, the all-encompassing, the highly personal and individual way that God plans and purposes for my life. Now, did you ever stop and think for a moment, how did I arrive at this place in time, at this point in time? What were the circumstances that brought me from where I was to where I am right now? Why and how, for example, this church or this job or this career or this partner or this ministry? Do you ever stop and think, how in the world did I get from where I was to where I am today? Why not someone else? Why not somewhere else? Why not something else? But why exactly here and now? Was it all chance? Was it just happenstance? Kismet? The luck of the draw? The roll of the dice? Or had God something to do with it? Was God at work? Was it something sovereign and providential? Was it providential or accidental? Was it the Father or was it fate? Was it His choosing or was it just chance? Well, I believe as a believer that it was God at work in my life. And I encourage you today to believe that God is working in your life. That it's not just a series of accidents or incidents, that somehow or other that God in all of the mix, the good and the bad and the ugly, that God is in the mix of it all, works all things together for your good. Because you're called according to his purpose, the Bible says. Look at the series of unusual and seemingly unfortunate events that led to Joseph before he clearly understood that even though his brother's actions, they meant it for evil, but actually God all along had meant it for his good. And not only just his good, but for their good, in fact, for the whole nation's good. Look at the long, hard, painful journey that Jacob undertook. 
over 20 years away from home. And it took all of that and all the events in between that before the cheat, the manipulator, became a prince with God and became Israel. Look at Saul. Went out looking for his father's asses and came back a king. Look at David who delivered his brother's lunches to the battlefield and came back with Goliath's head in his hand. Samuel goes to sleep. He wakes up a prophet. A slave has a child and it becomes the vice-regent of all of Egypt. Daniel becomes a confidant. Even though he's a captive, he becomes a confidant to kings. Fishermen, mending their nets, one day became the great apostles. See, this is what I mean when I talk about the providence or the sovereignty of God. I'm talking about the unseen, unerring, guiding hand of God who leads us on, who points the way forward for us. Not that any of us are smart enough to know all of God's ways. That's why I read the verse at the beginning. Paul says the ways of God are past finding out. We don't know all of God's ways, but we trust Him. They're much easier experienced than explained, aren't they? Gravity is much easier experienced than explained. It's still largely a mystery to science, but all of us has experienced it. Every experience it right now, if it wasn't for gravity, we'd be flying off into outer space. However, the longer you walk with Christ, the more you become aware of His hand in your life, His overruling providences, His predetermined plans begin to take place in your life. It's easy to look back and see it. It's much more difficult to look ahead. Now what does all this do for us? What confidence or strength or assurance or comfort can we derive from this knowledge? Well, first of all, it shows us that God already knows our future. There is a worldwide industry built up around knowing your future. There is an innate desire within all of us to know about tomorrow. If only we knew our tomorrows, could we not better plan? Could we not be better prepared? And so there's something within us that desires to know about our tomorrows. The world searches out astrologers, psychics, fortune tellers, even presidents. Kings and queens have had their prognosticators. They have gone to their gurus and their astrologers to try to find out. We as believers, we wouldn't do that, of course. But oftentimes we have a desire to know about our tomorrow. What does God want me to do? Where does he want me to go? What does he want me to be? What kind of ministry should I be doing? What is my future in Christ? 
And so oftentimes we, maybe in prayer, we seek the Lord, we read His Word, we're trying to get direction. Uh, sometimes we maybe ask God, would you please give me a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a vision or a prophecy? And God's very gracious and oftentimes He does do that. And we get a little bit of light. We get a little bit of encouragement for our tomorrows. But if He doesn't reveal Himself in any of those ways, we have still got the assurance and the certainty that God is preparing for us. That God does know our future. That His plans for us are good, as He says in Jeremiah. And they're not evil. And they are to give us a hope and a future. Now, I don't know about you, but that gives me great confidence for today. That helps me to know, if I know that God already knows every single thing about my life from here on out, then that's great encouragement. Then that is something that gives me much confidence for my tomorrows. In Hebrews chapter 11, in the great faith chapter, it says in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He went out not knowing where he was going. But he knew that God knew where he was going. And he knew that God would get him to where he needed to be. And that's what faith does. And right now, not one of us knows what tomorrow holds. Now, for a lot of people, that's scary. But right today... This Sunday, this Lord's Day, we have no idea what Monday holds for any of us. We're not there yet, but God's already there. He already knows all about our tomorrow and the next day and every single day of our lives. So this shows us that God already knows our future. It shows us that God has plans for our future. Right now, God is actively, deliberately, consciously building a future for you. God has got a diary with your name on it. And it's filled with appointments that He has made for you in this life. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God has got divine appointments? That every day... A new page is turned over and God has written something on that page that we don't know, but He knows. And all we've got to do is keep walking with Him every single day, fulfilling all those divine appointments. It was no accident that Ruth returned with Naomi. It was no accident. She decided she wanted to come back with her mother-in-law. But it was no accident. It was the design of God. 
It was the purpose of God. Because whenever she came back and she married Boaz, she ended up in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine a Gentile, a Moabite, ending up in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That was no accident. That was God prophetically showing us that Christ was going to die for the whole world. Not just for the Jews, but for the whole world. And even in his very lineage, there was a Gentile there. It was no accident. It was no accident that Esther was made queen in captivity. It was no accident. It was the purpose of God. Oh yes, it was a wonderful thrill for her and it was a great privilege and honor. No doubt she must have felt highly favored. But Mordecai, her uncle, knew it was more than that. He says, you've been called for the kingdom for such a time as this. This was God's plan. God had all this arranged so that at this particular time in your life, in the life of this nation and this people, God was going to put you in a strategic position to save them alive. And he did. What a wonderful story. No wonder the Jewish people still hold the Feast of Purim to this day. Whenever Benjamin Netanyahu, the uh, Prime Minister of Israel, whenever he went to see uh, President Obama, uh, he reminded him of the Feast of Purim and of Esther. What happened to Haman? Because <laughs> there's a lot of Hamans alive today who'd love to destroy Israel. I saw a cartoon. I should have brought it and showed you it on the screen. I've got it on one of my iPad things. <laughs> and it's, a, I think it's the, it's the head of the United Nations. It's the Prime Minister of Iran, who's determined to wipe Israel of the map, he says. And it's uh, two others, all of them, uh, President Obama and others, who uh, currently at the minute there's a struggle with Israel, and they're all pulling this rope. And there's the Prime Minister of Israel. He's the only one at the other end of the rope, and they're all pulling against him, and there's this great big, big finger that's down from the sky, and that's holding the rope. <laughs> And the sweat's boiling out of the floor, pulling the rope. There's this big finger. <laughs> and I thought, that's just right. That's the unseen hand of God. Hallelujah. So when the old devil's pulling your rope, and you think you're going to go over the precipice, remember God's big fingers at the other end of your rope. And he can only pull so far and so much and so long. It was no accident that Hannah was barren for all those years. It was no accident. Because God was waiting. And God had a plan. And God was always going to give her a child. But she had to wait for God's time. Because the priesthood was coming to an end. And God was going to raise up prophets as his spokesmen in the nation. And little Samuel who went to bed one night in the temple, woke up a prophet in Israel. So all those years of waiting and all those tears that she cried and all that friction she went through and all that 
horrible situation that she had to live through. All of it was for a purpose that God through her would raise up a great prophet in the land that none of his words would fall to the ground. Not by accident that Rebecca was barren. Not by accident that God had shut up her womb because when the time came two were found within her. Jacob and Esau. And God waited and waited and waited to the right moment, to the due season, till they were born. Not by accident, by design. Not by accident that Elizabeth had to wait late in life before John the Baptist came along. Had to wait late in life. Must have been frustrating. For then suddenly... Late in life, she became pregnant. But it was all in God's time because he would be the forerunner for Christ. He would be the one that would come before him to point the way to him. So why am I saying this? Because in our lives, which sometimes is very frustrating, sometimes when we have to wait, and it seems like forever, and it looks like your dream or your hope or your vision will never come true. Often it's just, it's not the due season. It's not the right time. And there's a due season and there's a right time. There's an appointed time. There's a date with destiny. God's divine appointments are always right on time. His biggest problem is getting us to wait and believe. Isn't that what happened Sarah? She wouldn't wait. And she caused that arrangement to be made with Abraham and with Hagar. And the world has suffered ever since because of it. And so this shows us that God already knows our future. It shows us that God has plans for our future if we trust Him, if we wait upon Him. It also shows us that God is in control. Doesn't always seem like it. Certainly doesn't always feel like it. But you've got to believe and you've got to trust God is in control. Sometimes it just seems we're at the mercy of circumstances. Joseph in the New Testament had fallen in love with Mary. The families had arranged that they would be married and so they became espoused one to the other. There's no question about it. This man truly loved this woman. As far as he could see into his future, it was going to be wonderfully bright. He was marrying the one that he loved. And she was a good, godly young woman. Pure, holy, righteous. What more could a man ask for? And then one day after they were espoused, she came to him and she dropped the bombshell. I'm pregnant. And he knew it wasn't by him. At that moment, his world must have went into a tailspin. At that moment, his heart must have sank to his boots. 
everything he believed about this woman, everything he trusted in her, everything he had hoped for, suddenly when she said, I am pregnant, his heart must have nearly failed. Didn't seem like God was in control. Sure didn't. To him at least. And not only that, she told him, an angel appeared to me and said, the Holy Spirit is going to cause you to be pregnant and to give birth with the Son of God. Can you imagine what must have been through his mind at that time? Would you have believed that? Would anybody have believed that? He must have shook his head. I don't know whether he said it or not, but he must have been thinking, don't insult my intelligence. The Bible says he was minded to put her away privately because he loved her. And he knew this would be a great shame and a great stigma. And his concern was not just about him, but his concern really was for her. This was going to be awful. And so he decided to put her away just privately, just quietly. And God had to send the angel to him, didn't he? And I think if it had to be me, but I had to send an angel to me, maybe I had to send three of them. I mean, think, would you have believed it? Would you have believed it? An angel came to him in a dream and said, Fear not to take Mary to be your wife. This is of God. God is in control. God is in control of this. This is of God. So take her to be your wife. And when that happened, all of a sudden, the peace came. The confidence came. The joy must have come. Oh yes, there's going to be a difficult time ahead. But now they'll be both together in it. So you see, sometimes it seems like everything is out of control. Jesus is hanging on a cross, stripped naked, beaten, whipped, bloodied, bruised, dying, gasping for breath. Here is the Messiah, the one that they all believed in. How could a Messiah end up on a Roman cross? He was the one to come in to kick out the Romans. He was the one to come in to stop their stranglehold in their nation. And now he's hanging like a common criminal on a cross. It doesn't look like God is in control of the circumstances. And not only that, even he is saying, my God, why have you forsaken me? Seemed like everything was out of control. Seemed like he was at the mercy of circumstances, but he wasn't. And his dear mother standing there looking at him. And that sword had pierced her heart that was prophesied. Her heart must have been sore, must have been broken. And apart from John and a few women, the rest of his disciples had fled and left him, deserted him at his most needful hour. Doesn't look like God's in control of this situation. It looks a complete mess. The dream is over, it's finished. He couldn't possibly be the Messiah now. But God was in control. And even though it looked horrible, 
And even though to their minds it could not possibly be God doing this, but it was. It pleased the Lord to bruise him, as I said, to put him to shame for our sakes. Yes, they would understand it later. Yes, when he was resurrected. Yes, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and their minds were illuminated to the Scriptures. Yes, they would understand it then. But what about right now? But you see, God was in control all along, wasn't he? Do you believe that when things are going wrong in your life, that God is still in control? Is there not that temptation, that all of us, is there not that temptation to think, God, what's happening? How did this get to this stage? Why is this going on? We think all of those things. God couldn't be possibly handling this right. Because if God was handling this right, this wouldn't be happening. That's her first thought, isn't it? But yet, He is in control. The ways of God are past finding out. It's easy to look back in hindsight. Hindsight's always 2020 vision, isn't it? But when you're going through it, that's when you have to believe. That's when you have to trust. That's when you have to say, God is in control of my life, if you're a believer. It also means, finally, that we can trust God completely with our lives. Completely. Jeremiah said he would give us a hope and a future. Jeremiah, Isaiah, and David all believed that God Almighty was in their lives directing, controlling, guiding, even, even before they were born. He had a plan for their lives. And they said it in Psalm 139, in Isaiah 49, Jeremiah 1. They stated that before they came from their mother's womb, that God had a purpose and a plan for their life. The Apostle Paul believed that also. Apostle Paul in Galatians 1.15 says, He who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace. Are these just words on a page? Are they just something we read? Or do we truly, honestly believe it? That before you were ever born, that Almighty God had a great plan for your life. If you believe that, it gives you great confidence, assurance, strength to know that God is involved in my life, even before I was born. Even before the world came into existence, they said. Huh. In Psalm 139, in verse 13 to 18, let me read it to you in the Living Bible. Psalm said, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, you knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It is amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You were there when I was being formed in utter seclusion. You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. 
every day was recorded in your book. See, that just takes care of your past. How precious is it, Lord, to realize that you're thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn towards me. That takes care of your present. Every single day, your thoughts turn towards me. When you get up in the morning, do you realize that all night when you were sleeping that God was thinking and planning for you, thinking about you and planning for you? Because this is what the next part says. When I awaken in the morning, you are still thinking of me. That takes care of my future. So when you lay your head down in the pillow tonight and you sleep that sleep and you get up in the morning, all that time God was really planning for that next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And he thought about you constantly. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about Mother's Day today. You know, whenever you're a mother, and particularly if you're the mother of a young child, and you put that little one in its cot at night. And it sleeps. And being human, you've got to sleep too. But isn't it amazing how that just one little squeak from that baby, a mother's radar is fully on. The father just lies there. He's dead to the world. But the mother just instantly picks that up. Isn't that amazing? Or when the mother's in the hospital and she's just given birth... You know that day and you know why they take the little babies well and they change this plan all the time but they used to take them away and put them in the little things in another room and then they all, when they got hungry, they all cry at the one time and that mother could pick hers out just, just that little cry, she can pick it out. Isn't that amazing? I was looking at a program recently there about penguins. You know you see all those penguins you know there's about a million of them and how that the one has to come and find its partner in the midst of all of that or its chick. How in the world does it do that? Out of all those millions squawking away and all that noise, how does it pick that one out? has to be God, hasn't it? Whenever you sleep at night, God is awake all that time thinking about you, looking over you, planning for you. See, I think that's wonderful. And that's why I believe that, because that comforts me. That strengthens me. That encourages me. That lets me know that God has already planned my tomorrows. So if anything happens, it's not going to take him by surprise. He is never, ever surprised by what happens. He really knew it, and he's already got plans. So even if the enemy comes against us tomorrow, it's not going to surprise God. He already knew, and he's already got a plan how to overcome it. You've got to believe that. And you've got to look to this word. You've got to stand on it. And you've got to trust it. And then you can rest and say, God, I don't know. I don't understand that. But you do. And you're with me. And you're going to get me through this. Amen? And I'm going to overcome in this battle of life whatever is happening to me right now. I'm going to overcome in this because your plans for me are good or not for evil to give me a hope and a future. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray.